Let's pray together. Almighty Lord, we are grateful uh, that you bring us together, even in this virtual format, that, Lord, your spirit lives in us, uh, that you offer yourself to us as one who goes alongside. Lord, we ask that the words of Scripture we've heard this morning, uh, which are the very center of our life in you, would be seeds in our hearts to bear fruit in our lives. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Emily and I have a game that we sometimes play when splitting a dessert. We don't split dessert very often, mind you. It has to be a really, really, really large or decadent dessert. A giant creme brulee or a large slice of triple chocolate cheesecake with whipped cream. And the game is this, that before each person takes a bite, that we have to share a favorite memory that we've had together over a certain course of time. Maybe it's a year, maybe it's 12 years. And we have to retell it before we take the next bite of dessert, which really slows things down, I'll, I'll have you know. Humorous mistakes, good meals with friends, absurd things that the kids have done or said. It makes us laugh at really funny things and savor each and every bite of these decadent desserts. It helps us do justice to what we were eating and experiencing together. And if these readings from John 15 and 1 John 4 were a dessert, I'm betting they would be triple chocolate cheesecake. These are dense passages. They are rich passages. We have to really stop and savor each bite to remember our lives in the context of each bite of these texts. And so I'd encourage you all to spend some time with John 15 and 1 John 4 this week. Read them by yourselves. Read them with your family. Read them aloud. Take a bite and sit with it. But one of the wonderful things about John is that the same passages you can literally spend your entire lifetime soaking in can also be grasped by a child on the first run through. Here's a couple of these decadent bites. God is love. We can abide in love. If we love God, we will love one another. God reveals himself through our love. Those few bites are what I want to focus on today. Abiding in love that God is and how it allows for us to be transformed people. And I want to explore those abiding in three ways. One, abiding in love gives us an identity as beloved. Gives us an identity as beloved. Two, abiding in love changes our vision of the world. And three, abiding in love invites us forward in love. And so the first of these, abiding in love gives us an identity as beloved. This fall, I cast a vision for, for Church of the Cross as an interim season, one of prayer and peace, one where the whole, uh, where we would rest in the Lord like a fields lying fallow after a harvest and before a new season of planting. One where we would 
find our peace in the Lord, even as so many things which normally bring us comfort, friends, community, normal life, have been stripped away during COVID. The passage that I uh, preached on all those months ago is the one that we have this morning as well, Psalm 131. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. By a weaned child, the psalmist is trying to illustrate a soul which is not worried about where her next meal is coming from. They are not constantly tugging at mom's shirt. They can get up and explore because they have the secure attachment of their mother. The safety of the mother's love of provision for the child allows the child inversely to go out away from the mother and explore the world from that place of safety. Security gives way to courage. And that child on the deepest level learns who they are by the way that they are treated by their parents. On the deepest level, they learn who they are by that attachment to their parents. To be a Christian is to belong to God through Christ. Just as our text from John 15 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you that you may bear much fruit. The vine has all of the life that the branch depends on. A branch apart from the vine dries up and dies. It's just that simple. But the love that Jesus offers us as the vine is God's own self. It's love. God is love. And Christ is the divine love through, and Christ is that divine love. And through his flesh and his spirit, that divine love is offered to us. He mediates it to us. And all we have to do is live in it. To abide in love is salvation. It's pure gratuity offered to us through the Son, by the Spirit, to the Father. And abiding in that divine life is like being a weaned child. When we abide in Christ, it gives us a new and fundamental identity, a place to call home. And that identity is beloved. Now, Jesus says that all who believe in him, he gives the right to be called children of God. Jesus is the beloved son of God. The beloved who is offered up for the life of the world. And when we abide in him, when we live in him, we become not just loved, but beloved. Meaning that not only does God love us, but we receive and reflect that identity as loved, as the beloved. Now imagine a father and a daughter, and the little girl slips and hits her head, and as a result, she forgets who she is and who her father is. And the father brings the little girl home, and she acts out and feels lost. And an older brother comes alongside and cares for her and helps her remember who she is. And in an instant, it all comes back and rush, and she rushes into her father's arms 
She was always loved, but she becomes the beloved by remembering who she is and her love of her father, something that was only made possible because of the brother. Here is the simple bite of rich truth, which we can spend our whole lives savoring. You are the beloved of the father. And the beloved does not have to tug on their mother's shirt constantly for fear of being forgotten. When we live into our deepest identity as beloved, our souls have a secure attachment like a weaned child. Friends, all of you know this stuff. I'm willing that all of you would pass the pop quiz if I were to give it right now. But this isn't the kind of thing that you need to know. It's something that you need to understand. You don't just visit this truth, you have to live in it, to abide in it. You have to live as the beloved long enough that you start to assume that identity in everything you think and do. And nearly all of our pains, our struggles, our neuroses, all of the things that we are trying to constantly reform about ourselves, root themselves in a failure to abide in this identity. But when we do, when we do abide in it, when we do abide in love as the beloved, there is simply nothing which can shake our joy, which is why Jesus says that our joy might be full. Like Paul and Silas in prison, Like Jesus asleep in the middle of the storm in a boat, like a weaned child will our souls be within us. And when we have our identities secure, when we are like weaned child, we can also be sent into the world in a new way. Remember, it is the secure attachment with the mother that allows the courage of a young child to go outward. And this is so important. The secure attachment to the parent makes all things possible for a young child, which brings us, which brings us to our second point. Abiding in love gives us a new identity, but it also changes our vision of the world. Abiding in love changes our vision of the world. Now, have you ever gone to the grocery store hungry? What happens, right? You walk down the aisles and everything looks good, right? The smell of all those prepared foods haunt you. The party-sized bag of Cape Cod potato chips seems to call at you, right? Maybe two of them, just for good measure, right? And you end up completely losing your mind. You're buying things that you don't need or even too much of the things that you do need, and all is amiss. But if you eat a good meal before you go shopping, it's a different experience. There isn't any sense of urgency. You can take or leave foods as you see fit. You probably don't need a giant bag of potato chips per member of your family. You aren't doing hungry math when you're at the store. Our hunger or our satisfaction gives us completely different eyes to see things in the world. To abide in love, to live out that identity as beloved, gives us eyes to see the world around us, like people 
who were at the grocery store shopping full rather than hungry. When we enter the world as beloved, when we go out into the world as beloved, we can see things clearly and it can allow us to see things as they are, not as we're hoping them to be for us. A job can be a job rather than a primary identity former. A car can be a means of getting around, not a status symbol. Health can be the sake, for the sake of well-being and not a sacrifice on the altar of beauty. Even deeper, we can allow other people, we can allow other people to be what they are and not what we long for them to be. Our roommate can be a roommate without projecting our desire for a sibling relationship with them. Our spouse can be a broken person like the rest of us without having to fill some deep longing in us that they don't have a chance of satisfying. We can see political parties as important but limited functionaries in the world under the, sanctity, uh, under the sovereignty of God. We can see the goodness of our own culture and our own tribe without worshiping it. Things find their right place when we enter the world with an identity as beloved, because we're not asking them to fill that need in us that God already has. Why? Because the perfect love of God casts out fear of judgment. Because the perfect love of God casts out the fear of being lost and forgotten. The perfect love of God casts out the despair and the clawing to overcoming. Abiding in perfect love already makes us the beloved and gives us security. Abiding in love lets us see the world rightly. But that seeing rightly isn't the end. Becoming the beloved allows us to see rightly, and that right seeing blooms, flourishes into loving and living rightly, which is our third step. Abiding in love makes us beloved. Abiding in love lets us see rightly. And abiding in love lets us move forward in love. It animates our lives. Abiding in love gives us an identity like a weaned child. And that identity helps us see the world rightly. But it allows us to bear fruit of love in our own lives. When the branch is connected to the vine, the water and the nutrients, the life of the vine passes through the branch to sustain it. But more than that, what happens when a branch is fully sustained by the life of that vine? It overflows. And the overflow of that love, that life from the vine is fruit. Every drop of juice in a grape comes from the vine, the water of the vine. No one can taste the vine, but they can taste the fruit of the vine. And the fruit is how you can tell the vine is good. Abiding in love allows us to love. And if we do not love, we are not abiding in this particular vine. When we see the world as it is, when we do not need to consume the world to be satisfied, then we can offer something to the world out of the overflow of the vine that we abide in. 
we can offer them a taste of something new. And our own invitation to bear the fruit of love in our lives is marvelous in infinite ways. But I want to highlight just two this morning. What is this invitation to love? The invitation to love is infinite. It has no end. Okay? Because God is love, God is infinite, there are infinite ways to grow. Gregory of Nyssa, an Eastern church father, said that since God is infinite and we are finite, then we have an infinite capacity to grow towards God, right? We can always get a little bit bigger. We can always go a little deeper in and higher up. To love is not something you ever master. It's a different kind of thing than the other virtues in that regard. One day you will have perfect faith. You will trust God perfectly. You will arrive. You will one day no longer hope because you will see God face to face, but you will never cease growing toward love. Now that may seem esoteric, right? That might seem like a little bit of Christian philosophy, but it reveals something fundamental about what it means to be human, what salvation looks like. Right now, as members of the body of Christ, we are invited to begin a journey which will be our chief joy and adventure for all eternity. We get to share in the divine life of love, to abide in that love, and to let that love transform us. And that process begins now and will continue past our death and resurrection and into all eternity. The activity that we are invited to participate in now is the chief end of humanity. It's our purpose, not just on earth, but forever. It is our most fundamental way of being a redeemed human being, to reflect God's love, the love that God is, and to lift up the world in worship and thanksgiving to God. It's something we're going to do forever. It's something that we're invited to start right now, that we don't have to wait for. And second, the second piece flows from the first. It makes even the most mundane and unnoticed acts glorious. The glory of God is gifted to all those who love in the smallest things. When Jesus is in the temple in Luke, he sees all of these wealthy people coming and pouring large sums of money into the temple's treasury. But a widow comes and gives her little tiny widow's mites. A small act of love from a woman, likely unnoticed by everyone else, but seen and known and celebrated by the Lord. And when we do anything in love, washing dishes, cleaning up a dirty diaper, weeding a garden, taking out the trash, painting a picture. When we do such things in thanksgiving and in service to God and others, even when they may not see it or know it or care for it or appreciate the act, the act becomes blessed. The small act is gathered up, caught up in the greatest and highest and most glorious purpose of humanity. 
slow. Humans are meant to be priests of creation so that when we act in love, it is like us lifting up the world back to God and blessing it. This is never more true than when we lift each other up, when we receive one another as gift and bless one another in words of love, a fellowship. Abiding in love is bringing the life of heaven into the life of earth in each act. It's the life of the age to come, eternal life, breaking in to our life here and now. In the Eucharist, communion is a perfect example of this, right? The Eucharist is breaking bread and drinking wine in love as the sharing in the true presence of Christ and the true presence to one another. It is the most humble and simple of acts, daily bread. And it becomes infinitely glorious because of the benediction of love. Our whole lives, our whole lives are invited to be Eucharistic in that regard, to be lifted up and acted on in love. I highly recommend a, a classic called um, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's a very short book, um, and he talks about acting out each thing in love. Um, you've got to read it. It's exceptional. And so this abiding in love is an adventure, an adventure with no end, an adventure which takes up small things and makes them infinitely glorious. It is an adventure that comes from abiding in love, from having our identity as the beloved. And so abide in love as a beloved. Abide in love and see the world rightly. Abide in love and watch love make the simplest things in life glorious. Pray with me. Almighty Father, uh, <laughs> when we walk through our daily lives, sometimes, sometimes it is difficult to see you in the mundane things, in the things of life. And yet, Lord, it is precisely in those things of life that you promise to make yourself known to us. Make us a people who can abide in you, who know you like a child who has a good attachment to their parent. And Lord, allow for us then to be people of love. Bear your fruit in the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus.